Hey, it's Dustin, and you're listening to another episode of The Burleson Box. Today on the program, we have Chef Alan Campbell. His food philosophy is pretty simple. Whole foods are needed to support a healthy body, mind, and spirit. Chef Alan is widely known as a leader in the sports nutrition world through his culinary acumen, various publications, speaking engagements, consulting, and highly publicized work with athletes, actors, and entertainers. He has revolutionized traditional culinary artistry by maximizing health benefits and sustainable practices. Chef Allen's culinary education began at the age of 14 in the Boston suburbs. After 20-plus years in the hospitality industry, he earned his stripes, crafted his own culinary style, and sought out a deeper meaning of the traditional chef position. Then the lifestyle itself nearly ended his career. Instead of burning out, Alan woke up, made some radical changes, and began to morph into his calling. And today, Chef Alan is all about one thing, cooking with health as the priority, period. His efforts locally and nationally are part of a much larger social effort to bridge the gap between healthcare and the food industry. While sustainable, healthy foods are gaining more and more traction among consumers, the challenge is to keep this momentum going so that more Americans will benefit. Chef Allen is the owner of AC Kitchen, an organic food and lifestyle brand, with a focus on personalized nutrition. AC Kitchen and AC Food Service are on a mission to continue the creation of delicious, healthful foods that do not sacrifice the integrity, the flavor, or the traditions of our cultures and cuisines. Allen's work can be found in the Game of Eating Smart, as well as the TB12 method in the TB12 Nutrition Manual. His home base is Boston, and we're so honored to have him on the program. I'm glad you're here. Let's dig into another episode of The Burleson Box. Are you trying to increase your treatment plan close rates while also increasing revenue? How can you do both for your dental practice without burning out an already burdened staff? The answer? Remote dental monitoring. You need a trusted HIPAA-compliant app that helps you and your staff work smarter, not harder. This needs to be an easy-to-use, easy-onboard app that your patients will find fun to use and will increase their engagement and success with aligners. You need the InHand Dental app. The InHand Dental app allows you to engage with your patients in real time, send individual and batched messages, and solve problems to increase compliance without using up chair time. The result? Happy patients, happy staff, and happy practices. With more revenue and the ability to do more starts. With prices starting as low as $149 a month, it's perfect for a growing aligner business. Check us out and learn more at InHandDental.com. Plus, mention Burleson for a 20% off discount on your subscription when you contact us. That's InHandDental.com. Welcome, everyone. Today, I'm so happy to have on the program Chef Alan Campbell. Chef Alan, thanks for being here. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's uh, just a great honor. I met you, I think, through Shane Parrish's podcast over on The Knowledge Project, and mm. uh, we quickly put you on the bucket list of of authors we'd love to have on the show. So again, thanks for being here. Yeah, my pleasure. Often, I joked with my wife, I said, wasn't there some saying that, like, never trust a skinny chef or something like that? Have you, yeah, have you there that? is. It's, it's not. <laughs> you should trust a fit one. Is what yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I'm looking at your photos and going, this guy's fit, and this guy uses some really healthy food. So... 
Um, tell, tell us about your background and how did you become a chef who focused on really nutrient dense foods? Yeah. So it's funny you lead with that because I was skinny, but I was so unhealthy. So I might as well have had a pot belly at like 25 because the way I was eating and the way that people perceive a chef as looking was very, very similar. So I've been a chef my whole life at 13, 14, I was already working in restaurants and hotels and so very traditional. I chased the high-end restaurants all around Boston for a long time, moved to Miami in 2009, and that's where I sort of had a shift in, in my own you know, personal choices and just adopted this new way of, of, first of all, eating on my own, and then that you know, transferred over to my cuisine. Yeah. I was going to say, like, what did you notice? Was there a big shift in your personal life or just something? I know I, I've the older I've gotten, I've become wise to a lot of the things I put in my body make me not feel so good. So I know I will get into some details, but, um, you kind of came, you came to this at a much younger age than I did. I'm curious how you, how you came to that, that realization. Yeah, I was really such a grind, you know, even through college, I was working full time. I always had two jobs, even in high school, I worked full time. So in the lifestyle was like work hard, play hard to an extreme. You know, it was like work your ass off and then party your ass off at the same time. And when you're in your early 20s, it's you can kind of keep up and you keep going. But now I'm pushing like 27 at that point is when I, I got sober and I definitely needed to. You know, some chefs, they just drink occasionally. It was a constant with me. Oh, yeah. Guess, work hard, play hard was very well accepted and just part of the part of the industry. It was just something that everyone did. And so, yeah, that, that was where it started. And then from there, slowly started to look at the food I was eating and thinking about a, an exercise regimen. And at this time, I'm living in Miami. So I'm surrounded by people that are, you know, healthy and fit. And, uh, you know, the, the climate is really good for taking your shirt off on the beach. You know, it was just a different, different environment. And I slowly started to transition into a healthy lifestyle. And I just, I never looked back, you know, CrossFit, plant-based diet, did a couple of cleanses, did a tough mutter, like running every night, working out during the day. It was just a completely different uh, approach to my own personal happiness that I had never found before. How quick did it take or how long did it take before you started to notice the effects? I went through the same transformation about two years ago. I okay. got sober and, um, you know, was it, do you feel like it was a month, six months? Where did you start feeling like, okay, I, I feel better now? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it took a while. Yeah, for sure. It was uh, it was a long process. It was a long, slow process, to be honest. Sober first, about a year after that. Not until a year after that is when I started to, I quit smoking cigarettes. I started to look at what I was eating, and it was gradual. I mean, once I sort of got over that hump of no longer destroying my quality of life, I uh, and I didn't realize I was for so long because, like I said, it was just part of the work day. You know, it was like you're going to work 12, 14 hours and then obviously you need a reward. So, like, that was what I thought the reward was. And so I'd say it was, yeah, about a year and a half, two years in before I started to really feel good. And like I said, it was a slow process. But uh, admittedly, living in Miami was made the process a much, much more, much easier, I think. Yeah. I, I I would agree. It took me longer than I thought. I thought, oh, I'll stop drinking. I'll start. I'll, st I'll start shedding pounds, and you know, I'm going to feel great immediately. It takes a while to kind of burn that off, right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. For me, it was. I, I didn't really have weight to lose. I had some muscle to, to gain. I was sort of skinny fat, you know, and I was 
I remember I had I sciatica issues. I had just opened a, a steakhouse in Miami and I was doing crazy days in a row and ended up walking like a question mark after like day 26 of 17 hours in a row. My sciatica was acting up and didn't realize that's what it was. I ended up in the ER and that was one of few things that had happened. I rolled my ankle, was limping around for a while. It was like little stuff like that just started to get to me and and I slowly started to go, okay, this isn't how I want to live. And so, yeah, it was a few things that led to me making the change, but uh, yeah, enough was enough at that point. Yeah, you made made some pretty big changes and parlayed it into a pretty amazing career. Can we talk yeah. about The Game of Eating Smart? It's a really great book and yeah. um, kind of talk about your approach to writing it, maybe what you want readers to take away from the book. Yeah, so as the co-author, I um, I wanted to create recipes that were authentic to the player. So the player would say, you know, one player in particular, he had kidney issues, right? And he talked about having to be dairy-free and things that he did. So I looked at specific superfoods that would strengthen the kidney. And I like created this little snack that would be like good for him in particular, right? And, but I did it in a way that like the reader may not have known that, you know, that was for his kidney, like health, right? But that's sort of where I went with it. I, I took what they said in their interviews and I tried to put together meals and recipes that would be familiar even to the baseball fan using my own philosophy of, you know, whole foods and no white sugar and no gluten, no dairy. And so, yeah, that, that was the goal. By no means is it baseball food, but it's it's health food that I, I put out in a way that was hopefully approachable by even, you know, the hot dog eating baseball fan that just love these, these guys and some of the best players in the league. So to grab their attention, you know, the player is there and then the food is, is there as well. So yeah, that was the approach. How do I create recipes that will, that will appease the masses and have a little bit of something for everyone? Yeah. And you start cooking some of these things they are really, not only are they amazingly tasty, but they're really not as hard or unapproachable as you think. I think that was maybe, one of the misconceptions I had in cooking right. healthy at home is this going to be really hard. Can you maybe talk about some of those misconceptions either about diet? Like, could I really get off a of dairy? Can you really get off a of sugar? And you know, how do you address those in the book and what have you seen in your own consulting? Yeah. So I, I think it's just been so long that at this point, my pantry is just kind of the size that it is. If my, my list of ingredients that I use, it's, it's concrete and I just, I don't stray from that. So from the person that may be still eating cheese every day and drinking milk and the coffee and all that, it's, it is baby steps for sure. And it's, it's sort of, for me, it was educating myself and looking at the science. Um, as a doctor, I'm sure most people would appreciate that. But that's where it started, to be honest. Once I saw the science and I saw other people that were doing it successfully, that was like a, a good match for me to sort of lean in on my own. But I had to make the decision on my own. I wasn't going to be, you know, coerced into it by someone that was, you know, a bit maybe had a radical approach. So that's that's how I look at it. You know, I meet people where they are. I present something that's, first of all, just delicious and easy to make. And then at the end, it happens to not have these things in it. And did you like it? Oh, I liked it. Oh, great. So, you know, let's let's just let's just uh, focus on that. So, yeah, that's always been the approach, because even like I said, my own path to getting to where I am was certainly not the result of someone telling me I had to do anything or telling, you know, using scare tactics or anything like that. It, it just never worked for me. I had to come to the conclusion on my own. And that seems to be, you know, what worked. 
Yeah, I, I I love your book. I love your approach. You're like a celebrity chef meets scientist, which is kind of cool. <laughs> yeah, I'm uh, a little nerdier than the average chef. I, I, I know. I was like, well, this guy goes deep on some topics. Uh, yeah. I want to do. I want to go deep on one because I was joking with a friend. I was like, everyone gives fast food a hard time, and fast food is pretty categorically awful. But uh, I got a real beef with Starbucks because of the amount of sugar they use in all of their products. So, do you want to let's hit on white sugar for a minute? What's what's wrong with it? Why is it awful? And just kind of give the listeners a, a view. Yeah. So we look at, you know, we just went through a pandemic, right? And we had, you know, a tremendous amount of death and it was awful. Most awful thing maybe we've ever experienced in our lifetime, right? But then we look at food-related disease and we tend to forget that this is happening every day. You know, it's getting worse and worse and people are getting sick younger and younger. And it's much bigger than any pandemic, any virus that we're ever going to see. And the root cause of that, which is, you know, directly linked to obesity, one of the precursors of the diabetes and the rest of it is is refined sugar. And that is well-documented. That's something that there are certain doctors that want to regulate sugar the way we did with alcohol and tobacco because it's causing more death than both of those things combined. So yeah, that's, yeah, that's my biggest problem. We all know it's highly addictive. It's just as addictive as any hard drug like heroin or or cocaine to an addict and it's not okay. You know, we need to make, put some laws around that, around the marketing of it to kids around, uh, at least now we, we did just change, USDA just changed the nutrition labels to include the amount of added sugar, small, small baby step, but a step in the right direction. So I'll give them that. Yeah, there's a, there's a long ways to go before we can address it. There's so much money behind the sugar industry. There's so much other, so many other factors involved that inhibit us from growing in the right direction. But yeah, the, the sugar thing is the first thing. And that's the most proven connection to obesity and the rest of the dietary related disease. So yeah, that, that one's got to go for sure. And there's plenty of other things to have. I mean, there's raw honey that has so many health benefits of course, we don't want to have the, these things at the same pace. We have, you know, soda and refined sugar, but there's there are other options for that sweet component that you never miss it. I mean, I, I was a big junk food eater as a kid, you know, all the way through and into my 20s. And I don't miss any of it. Dried mango to me is the best candy I, I could ever ask for. Just simply, you know, dried mango. So there's a lot of... Uh, other options we don't need to have any refined sugar anywhere to be honest yeah great point i think i read last week something like 13 percent of americans are addicted to processed like highly processed foods which yeah. means it's not like oh they really like it it's like they literally have a like a depend like there's withdrawal symptoms when you take them off of it they oh, have yeah. repeated failure at trying to get off of it that's yeah. mind, mind-boggling yeah yeah that's uh that's the issue I have too. I have family, a couple of cousins that are young and they ended up with type two diabetes and liver disease at like 11 and 13. Unreal. Right. Yeah, And that's, that's, that's the reality. And those are people that I'm related to. Never mind just me reading and blogging about it. I mean, it, it's happened in my own family now. So yeah, it, it's a huge problem. We've got to address it for what it is and, and stop sweeping it out of the rug. And, you know, it's not just because it's socially acceptable to eat you know, cupcakes and all this crap. It's, it's just, it's just like a drug to me. I see a parent giving a child like candy and all this crap. It's, it's almost like they're, it's like child abuse in my eyes. I I really kind of get bothered by it. So anyway, yeah, that, that's where I am with sugar. It's, It's just the worst. 
Yeah, I was talking to Logan, Dr. Logan Fredrickson, who will be out in peak performance with you and I in Scottsdale. Mm-hmm. And he, he said something that just like shook me to the core. He's like, after about age 11, there's really no cells in your body that are there. There's not even an atom, a molecule that's there from from birth. Like, you know, as you're as you're growing, there's all these cells dividing and you've got all these kind of like just massive amount of mitosis and meiosis as cells get bigger and divide and, and he's the physician so i won't wade into his territory i'm just i'm just a tooth doctor but he said after about age 11 he's like every molecule in your body is new right he said so you are literally what you eat like you're no longer getting any nutrients any derived stem cell benefit from birth it's right. like you are literally what you eat and that just shook me to my core because it's like oh crap like you start looking at things like high fructose corn syrup i asked the residents i teach like what do you know about high fructose corn syrup and they're like uh it's just like blank stares and you know what i know about it i know you know a lot more than i do but like your cells can't even break that crap down into energy like it's got to go through your liver which is why these young kids have liver disease right yeah that's just like that i mean like you're right like that should be more regulated than alcohol and tobacco we're feeding our kids this stuff that's cheaper to make than refined sugar and a million times sweeter and your bodies can't even break it down like fructose or glucose or sucrose or maltose. It literally has to go through your liver. So if you look at a histological section of these kids' livers, it looks like it looks like they're 60-year-old alcoholics. They've got like fatty liver disease. It's it's, exactly. it's horrific. If it was metabolized in the brain, you know, they'd be drunk all day, right? Right. But it's metabolized in the liver, so it just creates all this disease instead, and it's not physically obvious what's happening. But imagine that sugar was metabolized the way that alcohol is and they'd be drunk. Everyone would be drunk all day long. Unreal. Yeah. It's, I knew I kind of had a feeling you were as anti white sugar, refined sugar as, as we are. So you mentioned one alternative, raw honey. Um, yeah. do you ever use any coconut sugar to cook or any other alternative? Yeah, I love coconut sugar too. Yeah. Cause it's also unrefined and it melts. You can make a delicious caramel with it. It's, it's lower glycemic. It's still got inulin. So it's, it's great. Yeah. I, I love it. It's like I said, there's plenty of sweeteners like local organic maple syrup is great. I even use some monk fruit for the, you know, the keto crowd and the people that don't want to have the sweetener. Yeah. There are, I, I just don't miss it at all. Like there's nothing that I can't make without sugar. Like just, there's not one thing, maybe like a, you know, when they take sugar and they do like these like sugar glass type things, it's hard to do that. But yeah, there's just, <laughs> there's no need of it. There's no need of white sugar at all. Yeah, I've gotten into the mango since hearing you write about it. Um, do you dry it at home? Do you buy it somewhere? Do you, I, I found some that has like a little like aioli chili in it. So it's like sweet and hot. It's kind of cool. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I've seen those. Those are good. Yeah, we, we dry it too. Uh, but I do buy it because the amount that I need, I I would need a massive dehydrator <laughs> make energy bars with it. And then I like it at home. It's sort of like my dessert at home. And the brand that I buy, I can't get mine to taste like theirs. It's a much slower process and it's the type of mango. It's the ripeness. It's picked it. You know, it's everything about how they do it that I, I can't quite get mine to be honest, to be as good as theirs. But yeah, it's, it's so good. It's, it's like, just like candy. Yep. Yeah. It's one example of sourcing really good, high quality ingredients. I guess that was one of the mis- misconceptions I had is, you know, where do I find all this stuff? Where do I find raw honey? Can you talk a little bit about sourcing good ingredients? I know you're from Boston, so you've got lots of options, but maybe someone listening in Oklahoma, um, 
anything available on the internet to help people source good stuff and get it shipped to home? Or what would you recommend? Yeah, I feel like there's bee, there are beekeepers in most, I mean, we need bees to pollinate, right? So most places have, are keeping bees and they're collecting at least the honey. There are some, you know, mainstream brands. One is just local honey that has different parts of the country that they, you know, they collect honey from and then they package it up. I mean, they're a big, you know, they're mass producing, but at least the honey is, is uh, collected locally to where, wherever you would like it to be from. So mine is like New England honey. And that one is pretty affordable too. There is some issues with honey. The the industry did get quite corrupt. So if it's too cheap, it's probably not all honey. Yep. No, it's probably high fructose corn syrup or some other like corn syrup that's like mixed in. So keep that in mind too. So I think it's worth it to spend a little extra to get something local. And yeah, so I'd, I'd like to think that there is there are beekeepers in most parts of the country that are collecting honey. And if they're not, it's pretty easy to set one up. If you get a small, even a small yard in the back, you could set up your own. Yeah, big, big fan of, you know, increasing the bee population. You know, that's, that's one thing we need are, are bees. So if there isn't any honey local to you, maybe consider getting like a flow hive, like those flow hives that are just sort of like plug and play. You sort of just like have a spigot and you tap the honey and sort of like a very self-sustaining, you know, way to get honey and also have bees. Yeah. There's a big, I've got a friend who has a lot of property and I think there's a tax incentive in most States to have bees on your property. So maybe yeah, talk, sure. talk to your CPA about that as well. So uh, I was like, what, what's up with the honey, man? He's like, Oh, we love it. Get something for the kids to do. Yep. Like, but also like it lowers our property tax to like next to nothing. So that's great. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. amazing. <laughs> don't, don't quote me on that, but uh, yeah, there's a real problem in our, at least in the current kind of like mass globalization economy. And I'm just going to touch on the service and people can go down the internet rabbit hole, but shipping all of our bees to one Valley in California to raise all the, to grow all the almonds in the world, like 80% of the world's almonds is a really bad idea. So if you, if yeah. you've got some bees in your backyard, uh, my hat's off to you. That's, that's awesome. Yeah. Uh, talk about, uh, you know, someone that wants to get started with, I got to have a couple questions. One is, you know, what can we do if we're out with friends at a restaurant and I, my problem, yours was kind of like a, a, I guess maybe a, a sore ankle and, uh, you know, kind of maybe some health scare of like, man, I just shouldn't be feeling like this at the age of 27. Mine was like stroke level blood pressure. Cause I was eating out and entertaining clients and mm-hmm. friends. And I was eating out like four or five times a week, put on yeah. 40 pounds and eating a lot of steak and bad foods. Um, you know, what are some things if you said, listen, I'm out of the restaurant and I kind of feel like most, tasty dishes at a restaurant start with butter or heavy cream you know like what can we look for if we are forced to go out and um, eat in a place where we don't have control over the ingredients are there things you would look for yeah so when i'm in that position and that's honestly why i created my business you know ac kitchen is like home delivery service and so to be honest i that's why i created that so that i always have my own food and when i do go out there's plenty, you know, like I will lean more towards Japanese food. When I go out, it's much cleaner. They don't use dairy for the most part. But let's say you're in the middle of the country and you have to go somewhere. You're going to be at a steakhouse or something that the least health conscious, you know, concept. There's always way. And I think a lot of people, what they're afraid to do is ask. They're afraid to ask. They don't want to they don't want to disrupt the flow of service. They don't want to be that one at the table that's picky and 
So for that reason, they'll make unhealthy choices. Like that's probably 75% of why people eat unhealthily is that they don't want to uh, annoy the waiter or most of all, annoy the chef. Yep. And I'm going to tell you to do that. I'm going to tell you to go and ask for, if they don't have anything healthy on the menu, and it's just like literally a side of mashed potatoes and a side of spinach or something like that, like you've got to request it. And if that means like going with a salad that has like a piece of fish or a piece of chicken or simply asking for, you know, something else that's modified to fit kind of this whole food philosophy that you'd like to stick to, like go ahead and do that. I think more and more chefs and restaurants, even the ones that may be more mainstream, they've certainly opened their eyes to the big plant-based movement. So I remember back in the day we had a a TV host come in to a restaurant we were at. She was pretty famous, Brooke, Brooke something. I forget her last name. And because she was famous, the chef went so far out of his way to make her this vegan dish. She wanted vegan. And back then, this is 2000, uh, 2004, 2005. Yeah. <laughs> so it wasn't common. And he made her the most beautiful vegan dish that she wrote him a little note at the end, like thanking him. <laughs> And like, had she not been famous, would he have done that? Like, maybe not. But she was like a calendar. She was in calendars now. She was a really beautiful uh, TV host. But anyway, so that's where I'm getting. Like, don't be afraid to ask. You know, ask them to accommodate your dietary needs and simply go off of what's on the menu and just simply ask it to be modified. And, and don't be afraid to do that because your health and your quality of life isn't worth the, the sacrifice, I think. Now, a quick word from our sponsor. When's the last time you evaluated your credit card processing statement? Our partners at Stacks are offering a free savings analysis for our listeners, where they will actually take your merchant statement with your current processor and show you where you're overpaying. Stacks has saved orthodontics practices over 40% per month on payment processing costs. So don't wait. Get your free savings analysis today and see how much you're overpaying for your credit card processing. Go to StaxPayments.com forward slash Burleson dash seminars to schedule your savings analysis today. Plus, as a special offer for our podcast listeners, if you sign up today, you can get your first two months of payments processing costs waived from Stax. Once again, that's StaxPayments.com forward slash Burleson dash seminars. Stop overpaying. Start saving. And now, back to the program. Yeah, I, I, I'm so glad you said that, because I've done that many times, and I've found the waiters and the chef to be nothing but gracious and kind. And you just the first time I was like, man, my stomach's just really sore. Like, can you just, like, whatever fish you have, just, like, just throw it on the grill for a little <laughs> bit. And whatever vegetable you have, can you just, like, steam it and bring it out? And it was yeah. the best meal. I felt so good after eating it, because usually it would have had, you know, ton of butter a ton of ton of cheese and uh it would have gone home feeling awful so yeah yeah um, exactly it's not yeah. hard to do like yeah. i said they're probably more uh, open to it these days than maybe 15 years ago yeah i've noticed uh even in kansas city which is not i mean we have some nice restaurants we're not we're not boston or new york or chicago uh-huh. we have a lot of really great vegan options on just about every menu and yeah. um i love it it's, it's been a great transformation speaking of customizing 
you know, meals to the individual. You've worked with a lot of high profile athletes, including Tom Brady, you know, to help them optimize their diets. Can we talk about how you approach if you have a client who's an athlete or a lot of the listeners here? A lot of our members are marathon runners, triathletes. They're actively engaged in, you know, competitive sports as their hobby. You know, what advice do you have for someone looking to actually improve their performance athletically through their diet? Yeah. So like you said, it customized diet. So for me, it's like the foundation is whole foods. So if we start with whole foods, that's what, that's what they all have in common. That's what we all have in common. But when it comes to individuals, especially when they're using their body as a machine, the way that an athlete does, we've got to look more closely at what works for them. So from the quarterback to the lineman, to the marathon runner, to the to the swimmer, it's just a, it really is a different approach to the, to the pro hockey player. That's got games, you know, four nights a week and one in the morning they're getting out and they're hungry. You know, like it's, it is a different approach. So like I said, what they all have in common is that they can always start with whole foods, whole foods, meaning what's found in nature, nothing refined, nothing processed. And then what I've done with clients, let's just use an example of Tom. That's the most publicized athlete that I've worked with. So with him, he adopted this anti-inflammatory diet and what he believed to be inflammatory, he wanted to exclude. So that meant nightshades. He had uh, also wanted to refrain from fungus. So all mushrooms, even like nutritional yeast, like very minimally used, actually no mushrooms at all with him. The, the nightshades were minimally used, but that was his approach. And then the no gluten, no sugar, no dairy, that was a given. And then he did well, and a lot of athletes, it's funny enough that even though they're big, 6'4", 220, 240, still want plant-based. The older ones, they would thrive and feel really good on a nutrient-dense plant-based meal where a younger guy that I have, you know, younger hockey player in his 20s, is like, I need animal protein at every meal. I don't feel satiated. I don't feel good. I don't have, you know... They want animal protein and a decent amount of carb at every lunch and dinner. So, yeah, it, it is different. It, it, it look, we look at age. We look at metabolism. We look at the type of sport they're doing. The day of the week, is it off-season? Is it you know recovery day? And that's where it gets fun for me because it keeps my world interesting. Yeah, not to be vague, but in, in a nutshell, it's always making sure the whole food foundation is what they all have in common. And then stemming from that depends on the type of person it is, the type of athlete what works best for them, digestion, uh, gut health, the, the rest of it. Yeah. I, I love that. I, I probably felt the same way when I was younger, but the older I get, I love a plant-based meal where there's a lot of biodiversity in it. I, I mean, yeah. I've read a little bit of research that your gut actually secretes some dopamine, like the more biodiverse meals you have. So like after a good yeah. vegan meal, like you just feel really good. Yeah, for sure. We know the serotonin connection to the gut. It's, it's all there. How much yeah. of the serotonin is actually made in the gut? You know, yeah. it's, it's all, that's all science that I think I, that is not mainstream. You know, people don't realize that what you eat literally impacts how you feel in your, in your, in your mood and your level of happiness. So it's yeah, direct connection there. And that's the benefit of having a base of whole foods is you get all of that fiber and that inulin and, and you have the fermented food and all these other different types of probiotics and prebiotics that create a really well balanced gut and biodiverse microbiome so yeah that that's the benefit of, of looking at the whole foods you don't really have to think about it too much you're going to feel good the the weight will come off as it's supposed to 
yeah, that that's the, one of the biggest benefits. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not a dermatologist. I'm not giving medical advice, but I have many dermatology clients, and a lot of them say like for a lot of just skin health and that glow, like it's, it's not the cream you're putting on your face, like no. it's what you're putting in your gut. You know, it's how much in, inflammation is going on in your body. Yeah, and, it's, it's, yeah. it's funny. I I one of the biggest reasons it might sound vain, but I had acne on my back. And I read, and then I was researching Ayurveda back in, this is like 2010. I thought I had permanent scars on my back from acne. And I cut out dairy. And within probably like three to four months, the scars, what I thought were scars permanent, went away and it never came back. Yeah. I have so many friends that have yeah. gotten off dairy and be like, well, I don't, I don't have acne anywhere anymore. I was like, <laughs> I was like dude, cow's milk yeah. is good for raising baby cows. That's about it. Right? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, I know I from what I can gather reading your book, reading your blog and seeing what you're doing, like you're kind of on a mission, right? Like you really yeah. want to change the conversation around food. Can you kind of tell the listeners where you're headed and then talk a little bit about AC Kitchen because I love that company. It's very cool. Yeah, so I'll I'll start with the mission. So the mission, my own personal mission, what gets me out of bed in the morning? Why I you know, left working with the famous people like as a private chef and, and probably you could have made a lot of money doing that. I've had big job offers, especially overseas that I've turned down to go and be a scrappy, you know, entrepreneur and do this on my own. So much sacrifice I've, I've done to, to follow this mission. So the mission overall is to improve the overall quality of health for human beings and for the planet. Right. And now, you know, once I sort of got the publicity from working with Tom and I wrote the book with him and then the next book, look, okay, now I have a platform. What do people usually do with the platform? You know, what do they usually do? And if the chef is like, Oh, I want to be famous one day. I want to be in the magazine. I want to do this. Okay. So what are you going to do with that? Like what, what is the reach that you want to have? And for me, like, yes, I want those things too. I want to have the accolades and the awards and, and who wouldn't, but for me, it's it's really about sharing a message that you can eat the food that's best for you, the food like we say in AC Kitchen, the food that loves you back, and it can be enjoyable, it can be nostalgic, it can be quote-unquote American cuisine because American cuisine to outsiders, even, even to us obviously, it's fast food, it's burgers, it's hot dogs. I want to change that narrative. I'm very passionate. I love I, – I do love people and I – I've, I got into the hospitality industry very young because I love providing an experience. I love to see people, you know, enjoying their time, whether it's a special occasion or it's, you know, haven't seen anyone in a long time, like enjoying a meal. And when you can take that a step further and actually give them a meal that's going to benefit their health, that's that level of consciousness and the mindset that maybe differentiates me and my approach to food if I'm serving you dinner or if I'm actually providing you meal plans every single week is how is that per how does that person feel at the end and and how 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 is their health being impacted in a way that they probably don't even know that it is so it is it's 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 really flipping the script of I'm not just going to tantalize their taste buds and wow them with ambiance and service but also really benefit their health and give them their money's worth in a way that they might not even recognize so yeah, that that's really what the mission is. And in AC Kitchen, I started with the most complicated part first. I figured if I got the hard part done first, the rest won't be so bad. So 
me building a, a meal delivery concept that was focused on customized meal plans. The reason why there's probably not any other companies out there, I don't know many that do it at my level, I don't know any actually, is because it's hard. It's it's not easy to efficiently create meal plans that are specific to dietary, you know, individuals' dietary needs. There's a lot of logistics. There's a lot of, you know, there can be inefficiencies in the back end. So that's been what I've dedicated the last three years of my life is to build a system that can do that, that can provide meal plans to people that are customized to what they need and and make it, you know, affordable and and even scale it to a certain point without losing that integrity and, and that high level of standards. So that's what AC Kitchen is now. I do plan to go uh, national with it and bring it to different major cities around the country. And then from there, I do, I have another book that I'm pitching to my publisher and yeah, I want to keep growing in that direction. Maybe a show, maybe more food concepts, maybe connecting with other like-minded brands to build out concepts in hotels. And that's all sort of in the conversation as well. I love it. That's very, very exciting. I want to share some takeaways either from reading your blog or reading the book. First, personally, I used to eat, I still eat a lot of nuts, but a lot of them I was found, I found getting me a whole food. Sometimes they're raw and not sprouted. Can you talk about sprouted versus raw nuts? Cause it totally changed. My stomach used to be so upset. I would like grab a handful of like raw uh, cashews are on like and I was like now I'm like oh my god this is life changing so talk about sprouted versus unsprouted yeah sprouted is something we should do with all grains the way that I look at it is we don't realize that plants are beyond fascinating they're much more interesting than animals right so they look defenseless they look like they're just sedentary you know sitting in nature just waiting for us to come along and eat them that couldn't be further from the truth so they're they have built-in anti-nutrients and it's their defense. It's their defense mechanism. So it's lectins, phytic acid, and that's what they have to defend themselves. So within nuts and grains and beans and other plants, even leafy vegetables, they have different levels of this. And with what's making you bloated, are most likely the, the lectins and the phytic acid inside the nuts. And when you sprout them, or you roast them, or you cook them, you you break down that those lectins and that phytic acid. And so that's, that's all the difference. And that makes the nutrients more readily available. And when you don't remove it, those lectins can actually pull nutrients from your body on the way out. So, yeah. so that's, that's the difference. That's what grains, beans, nuts, seeds, that's what they all sort of have in common is that they do have that defense mechanism. Yeah, it's a huge life changer for me. I can, I can yeah. do like I'll uh, roast some sunflower seeds or um, even just walnuts and it's just great. So talk about why you don't cook with olive oil because that changed my life as well. Because I used to cook with a lot of olive oil before I started reading your stuff. Yeah, olive oil, uh, just the smoke point. I go with coconut, avocado. Those are the best. Definitely stay away from the other seed oils, canola, sunflower, safflower. All those things are just never going to happen. Olive oil has a lot of benefits, but I use it in salads and dressings. Yep. yep. Or to sort of finish things in marinades. Cooking, it's the smoke point. It's when the fat turns into a trans fat is the problem. And the smoke point for olive oil is just a bit lower than coconut and avocado. So I, I stick with those instead. Yeah. We had this conversation with some members over in Italy. We have quite a following in Italy, a lot of great docs over there who take our stuff and 
translate it and use it. So, so I'm also going to go over there a couple times a year and and enjoy great food. And we were laughing. He's like, he's like, yeah, you got, Americans are finally getting organic. He's like, we're we're just 600 years ahead of you. <laughs> so, <laughs> he's like, you know, like our grains are so different. Can you talk about? I mean, one of my big pet peeves, particularly through a friend who's a trauma surgeon. Mm-hmm. He's like, I hate corn, man. It makes, it makes, it makes my life so hard because it takes so hard to, it's so hard for me to find an artery, like in a gunshot wound because everyone comes in having been born and raised on a corn based diet. It's not just that corn's in everything. It's that we feed all of our animals and all of our, our breeds of animals over here. We've selected that eat corn and ter- so our chickens mm-hmm. in America turn corn into more eggs. And in, in Italy is a totally different breed of chicken, totally different type of cow. Can you talk a little bit about grass fed versus corn fed and maybe tie that into where our planet is headed with everything in America being fed corn? Yeah, the corn thing, it's so heavily subsidized that, oh man, it's it's just not going to go anywhere anytime soon. <laughs> It really isn't. And they're looking at, I'll give them this, they're looking at feeding the masses in an affordable way. And had they taken that away, it's so cheap to grow corn and the way they can feed all the cattle that we're consuming, the conventional cattle, the corn fed, it's couldn't be done another way. Could they get meat in grocery stores for as cheap as they do at times without it? No, definitely not. Uh, do people need to eat that meat to survive? Like, definitely not. But what would happen if they took it all away? So when it comes to, and, and my whole theory is let's focus more on plant proteins. I was just reading yesterday, so, uh, someone that I follow, he's very big proponent of animal-based protein for muscle. And he posted this study that looks at animal versus plant protein and says, there's really no difference. As long as there's a... a amino acid profile present with the uh, addition of creatine muscle growth happens at the same rate. So, and that that's, I've been saying that for a long time. And obviously I, I read it too back then. Uh, this study's new, although there are other studies that have been put out back then. So my whole thing is we don't need to eat meat at the rate that we are, you know, let's focus on plant proteins. It's just so ingrained in our culture to eat meat, especially in certain parts of the country. So if we're eating less meat, you know, we don't need to subsidize the corn to feed the cattle conventionally the way that we are now. And that may have an impact on what happens with those subsidies. But yeah, to be honest, I think um, we're not close to that at any point. Anytime soon, we're not going to get there anytime soon. I think uh, grass-fed is still looked at as a sort of a luxury it's the cost of grass-fed is just way more and the, and the flavor also isn't there i use grass-fed i i use it in a way that i know i'm obviously a chef so i know how to use it and make it taste good but you put side by side corn fed and, and grass-fed the fat content is much lower in grass-fed and so therefore the taste so even if you put grass-fed in a grocery store uh next to corn fed at the same price they'll still go for the corn fed most of the time you know, so the marbling isn't, you know, the same with, with grass fed. I mean, different cuts like a Del Monaco, you know, ribeyes, they, they still have that fat because of where they are. But for the most part, yeah, the, the corn fed next to grass fed from a state, from a taste standpoint, just can't really compare to someone that doesn't care about the health component, couldn't care less about how it's raised. They just want something that tastes good at an affordable price. Uh, that's, that's the competitor. And that's where I come in and say, let's, 
cut back on the amount of, of animal protein and let's start looking at plant protein. Um, and that's just going to be a you know matter of time, which we're, we're certainly seeing a shift. You know, we're seeing a shift in people, but yeah, it's going to be gradual, I think. Yeah. I, I mean, I just encourage listeners to think for themselves in this system, particularly in America, that we have grown accustomed to was really about post Second World War. If you look at the history of our food industry complex, it was about making sure this massively growing population. By the way, we were shipping like boatloads of food to Europe because remember, like we bombed the entire like Second World War pretty much put all the manufacturing, a lot of the food production back in the hands of the United States. Mm -hmm. And so we were trying to find a way to nourish people so they were they were not undernourished. Mm -hmm. Right. We are nowhere near that challenge today. America's challenge today is that we are drastically overnourished. Right? Yeah. There's too much calories. And so you know, I, I often quote a book by Edward Bernays. I believe he was Sigmund Freud's nephew or there's a relation there somewhere. But the book is called Propaganda because Bernays was a PR man. Mm -hmm. And the whole like American breakfast, you can go to any restaurant, any diner, you can go to like high end restaurants in New York, and you will see the quote American breakfast on the menu and it's eggs and bacon and, you know, like some sort yeah. of a hash brown. Yeah. That was a PR move. I don't know if you've read about this from Edward yeah. Bernays. Yeah, I, I, I know all about Bernays. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, for the listeners who don't like he went and he got a bunch of physicians and he said, which one is a heartier breakfast? He didn't say healthier. He said, which one is heartier? Yeah. A bowl of porridge, basically some sort of breakfast, hot grain, which was what most of the country was eating at that time, mm -hmm. or two eggs, bacon, and you know, uh, some hash browns or toast. And nine out of 10 doctors said, oh, that one's heartier. <laughs> so yeah. th that was all bought and paid for by the poultry and pork industry. Right? Yeah. And so like, I would just encourage people to step back and think for themselves that they think that plant-based is not going to give them the right amino acid profile. Mm -hmm. Chef Allen has clearly given you ample demonstration that it does, yeah. especially with added creatine. I, you know, I just, it's really fascinating to me. If you think about the last time you went to Europe and you had a great dinner and probably had pasta and you probably had a lot of great rich foods and you left that meal and thought, man, I don't feel bloated. I don't feel, you know, sluggish. It's the, a lot of their grains and a lot of their foods and the way they raise their foods and the way they, the breed of animal they use is so different than us that it just is a, a more holistic approach to nutrition. Mm -hmm. And I just admire that you're trying to push us in that direction. And uh, it's very cool stuff. Yeah. I think that especially the younger generations, they're certainly hip to it. They're, they're just, it's such a different way of growing up with all this education and iPhones and all this at their fingertips. It's just in their face. I, yeah, I, 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 Strongly believe it's going to continue to grow in that direction for sure. Cool, very very cool. I did, for the for the listeners who say, "Listen, you're not going to convince me to go plant based." Are there at least some animal proteins that you recommend in, in addition to grass fed beef? Yeah, wild fish isn't isn't bad. I mean, there's a whole theory around the microplastics in fish, and I think that's something to be looked at for sure. It's not something we can, you know, deny. But I think going after the smaller fish, uh, sardines, mackerel, anchovies trout, even, you know, local fish. I think that is a great solution. And eggs too. Eggs are a nutrient powerhouse. I mean, most parts of the country have local eggs. I was operating in Connecticut and there would be people that would just put a cooler in the front of their driveway with eggs and just oh. have a little can. You'd put money in and take the eggs. That's it was awesome. That's everywhere, awesome. you know, so rural <laughs> parts of the country, there's local eggs. Yeah, I, I definitely don't think... You know, a vegan diet is not easy. 
somebody wants to be completely as much as I am a proponent of plants and looking at plant protein, I still think we need animals in our in our life and in our diet. I think it's part of the whole ecosystem and looking at regenerative agriculture and what truly works for the environment, the practices that they you know abide by include animals. So looking at plants, having the right amount of animal protein, the the quote unquote diet would be flexitarian. That's that's the that's the sort of way I I describe the the house you know menu on my in my business is flexitarian, where it's plant forward, but there are still wild, sustainable, grass fed, organic animal proteins. So let's say maybe once a day there's animal protein. The other two meals are completely plant based. So that's that's kind of where I am with that. I, I think there's there's a need for animal protein, but it just shouldn't be the focus. I totally agree. I, a lot of um, interesting blog articles over at Patagonia Provisions on more sustainable yeah. grains like Kernza and things that a lot of farmers here in Kansas close to me are testing. The, yep. the, root, the root structure goes weight. I mean, like it was probably during the doom scrolling days of the pandemic. I read this article that like in 60 years, if we continue our current farming practices, like some astronomical percent of the world's farmland is going to be unfarmable because we just keep taking all the nutrient out of the topsoil because yeah. we grow things like corn. Right? So um, not to mention all the stuff. That, yeah. So um, good, good. I'll put up a link in the show notes to Patagonia provisions. We'll put a link in the show notes to chef Allen's book. Uh, we're looking forward to seeing you out in Scottsdale. I do want to give a shout out. We were, we were reaching out to you to do this interview and we found out your sister's in the dental industry. So I want to talk about her company. We'll put a link in the show notes. Tell me about your sister and what she does for dental. Yeah, she's been in the dental office industry since 17, like 17 years now. And she's now head office manager and she started her own business, a billing, billing, yeah. uh, consulting with, uh, dental offices. And she's about maybe a year in and she's like, amazing. Yeah. It's, it's really, I, I didn't know, obviously like that's not my world. So I didn't, had no idea that, <laughs> that there was such a demand for that, but, um, yeah, she's, she's got, I don't know, like maybe 20 offices, I think. You're going to have a lot more. <laughs> so, yeah. Dental, dental uh, services, I believe, is the website. Yeah. It's just funny. The connection. You reach out and then that's her world. She was actually in Scottsdale last year for, for a conference. A dental. I forget the. I forget what it is. But yeah, she was in Scottsdale. She actually stayed at the same hotel. Get out of town. That's cool. Yeah, we'll, 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 <laughs> tell her we'll include a link to her website hopefully we don't melt it down with clients reaching out but we looked her up we follow her on, on instagram and facebook and her company's great because it's a very big pain point in dentistry uh, is automating the billing and, and getting accurate estimates for patients and mm -hmm. most dentists just don't want to hire another full-time person to do that and most don't really need another full-time person to do that so she yeah. can offer that service and is doing a great job for her for her docs so we'll, we'll put a link to her uh, website on the show notes. Awesome. So, um, any other parting words, anything like I, when do you think next book might come out? Anything that you want to push people to, to help them, uh, on their journey of, of eating smart? Yeah. Next book is all about meal prep. So as much as AC kitchen provides meal plans, you know, meal prep, I, I want to create a book that also teaches people how to do that. So if it's not through my own food, it's going to be through books, videos, content. I want to just give people all the tools they need. Like I said, if they're not buying it from me, let me teach you how to do it at home. And for that reason, I'll do online meal plans with people as well that aren't in my zone. And yeah, I just go to for all things meal prep, sort of 
related, whether it's for athletes, for people at home, there's, you know, weight loss, all those things. Awesome. We can't wait till it comes out. It's such an honor to speak with you, Chef Alan. Thanks for being here. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Thanks so much for joining me on another episode of the Burleson Box. If you are a fan of Chef Allen and his work, you can join him in addition to my other colleagues at Peak Performance in Scottsdale. Go to myortholifestyle.com and learn more about this unique live event. If you've loved the podcast, please share us with a friend or a colleague and visit theburlesonbox.com where you can sign up to receive monthly reading lists, action guides for each of the books and authors we interview, And as a member of the program, we invite you to send the Burleson Box to your referring doctors and centers of influence. If there's anything we can help you with, please reach out, call or text us at 816-226-7988. We can discuss how a Burleson Box membership has worked for many successful organizations throughout the world. Be sure to listen each month for chances to win fun prizes, practice building resources for you and your team. And until next time, remember the words of Mark Twain who said, quote, a man who does not read has no advantage over the man who cannot read. End quote. Go make it a great month. Next time I'll see you right here inside another episode of The Burleson Box. Dr. Burleson here. You've heard that real estate should be a part of every investor's portfolio, but maybe you're unsure where to start. My good friend and colleague, Dr. David Phelps, leads an investor community that has ditched the traditional Wall Street model for the stability of real estate assets. They are called Freedom Founders, and they do real estate really, really well. David's Freedom Blueprint reveals exactly how much you need to retire. Some of my top clients have done the program. They speak highly of David and his Freedom Blueprint. With the certainty of their passive real estate investments, Freedom Founders members are free to spend more time with family or even leave the practice altogether. David has put together some special resources for my listeners. To access, just text Dustin to 972-203-6960 or go to freedomfounders.com forward slash Burleson.